When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Unlock big savings during the Menards bag sale. Add style and security with Schlag lock sets. Menards carries over 50 styles of interior and exterior lock sets. And with Schlag's wide selection of smart locks and keyless entry locks, there's no more hiding keys under the doormat or losing track of copies. Save big money on Schlag lock sets. Plus, save 15% when you fit it in the bag. Now through January 14th, available in-store only at Menards. Save big money at I had heard me and David and Stephen sing. It was completely a unique sound to me. We, you know, the Birds and the Buffalo Springfield and the Hollies were very decent harmony bands. But this was something different. When David and Stephen and I put our voices and blended them together before they hit the microphone, we knew that it was something very, very unique and very different. <laughs> Listening to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. In each episode, we'll dive into a little history of the artist and the album of choice, with snippets from interviews and concerts, as well as music from the album itself. My name is Travis. With me, as always, is my brother Quentin. And today we are talking about Crosby Stills Nash debut album. That came out in 1969. That was Graham Nash that you first heard. Uh, essentially talking about what made them such a great vocal harmony group. And um, the song you heard was, of course, the single off of that record, uh, Judy Blue Eyes. That was track one. So Q, you had not really delved into these guys too much before this episode. Is that correct? No, I didn't <laughs> really. Uh, I know. I obviously I know who Crosby, Stills, and Nash are. I know. I'm familiar with all their work, you know. Um, but no, I've never really given them a proper listen. So, um, and I really actually I didn't get a chance to to listen to this album all the way through. So, I'm pretty excited because I know some of the songs that you picked for this episode I actually haven't even listened to yet. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Well, um, I'm going to give credit where credit's due, my friend. And, um, I would have to, I would have to say that, uh, I would not have stumbled upon these guys on my own. I don't think if it weren't for my father-in-law. So they've got a pool table upstairs in their game room and he always puts on music and, um, 
he put these guys on and I was like, hey, it's Simon and Garfunkel. That's what I said. I, I believe it's Graham Nash that sounds a lot like uh, Simon, Paul Simon. It's really not just his voice that sounds the same. The The music style like really sounds a lot like Simon and Garfunkel. A lot of the songs that I did here. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities, but... But anyway, you know, he set me straight. He told me who this was. And then I, of course, went and and, and explored um, this album. And it's, dude, it's a, it is a great, great record. Yeah. And um, especially for a debut. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than this. And um, of course, you know, these guys, you would call this a super group, right? Because, and as we're going to get into a little bit further as we, as we uh, go along, these guys all came from established groups. Um, I'll just do a quick rundown and then we'll get into our what you heard's. Um, so basically, uh, Graham Nash was in the British pop group The Hollies since the early 60s. Uh, Stephen Stills was in Buffalo Springfield with Neil Young. They were in a group together before before Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young ever became a thing, obviously. And then David Crosby was in The Birds, as in, you know, Tambourine Man, and uh, Turn, 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 and Eight Miles High, and all that good stuff. What about the other two, Buffalo Springfield and The Hollies? Could you could you name off any, um, you know, mega singles from those bands? I mean, I've heard of Buffalo Springfield. The Buffalo Springfield song that everybody knows. You almost said Springsteen, um, dude. Buffalo Springsteen. (laughs) The song that that everybody knows is called For What It's Worth. And that is a Stephen Stills song. He wrote the lyrics for that one and sang on that one. Uh, The the name The Hollies is kind of familiar. Yeah. But maybe they were, what were they, like a one-hit wonder maybe? I mean, they had had success. They they had success in in the UK, in Britain. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Uh, But uh, but no, you would recognize some of their stuff. And I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a song from each of those bands. Okay. Later. Cool. But that's just quick, quick rundown. We'll get into the history a little bit further. So let's do our what you heard picks. Yeah. So we're gonna we're we're moving along kind of fast today because Travis has a lot of a lot of good music for us on this one. So yeah, there's there's a lot of ground to cover, and we're gonna have a lot of music in this episode. So I'm excited, uh, man. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, this is this is gonna be a great episode. Uh, I'm predicting greatness. So no pressure, dude. No pressure. I know, right? Uh, how about you play yours first? So, Q, what you heard? I've got a good friend up here that that's a huge Mark Lanigan fan, and when she listened to our sidetrack episode, she got back into this other guy. His name is Mark Pickerel, and she, um, he apparently was in the Screaming Trees. He he was the drummer for the Screaming Trees. Which, uh, if you remember, Screaming Trees was Mark Lanigan's band uh, from the mid-80s, late-90s. So you're taking us back to the 90s? No, actually. Oh. So Mark Pickerel has done a lot of stuff. He's played in a lot of bands from like the mid-80s to now. And I'm going to play a track from a solo album of his. It's this really cool... I don't know how to describe it. It's like this, maybe like uh, alternative country, like grungy. I don't know. I really don't know how to describe it. It's like a cowboy twangy guitar, but you know, like not in a cheesy way. <laughs> You're just going to have to play it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Huh? Um, he uh, started a band 
called Mark Pickerel and His Praying Hands. And uh, they their second album is called Cody's Dream, and it came out in 2008. So not terribly long ago. And the song I picked to play, it's called Let Me Down Easy. I think he sounds a lot like Mark Lanigan as far as his like that, that deeper yeah. vocal range. You know what I mean? That's kind of yeah. funny that they're in a, a group together because maybe he was influenced by Lanigan as far as just the way he sang, you know? But yeah, that's, that's a cool, cool track. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, of the music uh, on that, on that TV show that I brought to the table last week. The, yeah. By uh, Graham Coxton. You know, and um, I'm going to just have to sing a little bit of this song, and hopefully you remember the name of this artist. Uh, his name escapes me at the moment. But it kind of reminds me of, you know the song, No, I want to fall in love. Yeah, you. Chris Isaacs. Thank you. God damn it, dude. I wish that I could have remembered his name so I didn't have to sing that. It It reminds me of that a little bit. I don't know if it's... I mean, that was pretty spot on, dude. Thanks, man. I thought it was terrible. Um, I I don't know if crooner is the right word, but you know what I mean. Like, and like you're saying, it, it's like that old old school, um, like Roy Orbison or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's got that. You know, it's got that country twang with the guitar. Yeah, definitely some definitely guitar twang going on. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the whole album's like that. It, it's it's really good. Uh, so again, that was uh cody's dream which was um mark pickerel's second studio album um, some of his solo work came out in 2008 so travis what have you heard this week brother okay so i'm gonna give a hat tip to one of my um co-workers um tyler if you're listening thanks a lot buddy so this is a this is an artist uh she goes by 
Well, her name is Natasha Sultana. She goes by Tosh Sultana. And she did a Tiny Desk concert on NPR last year. And my coworker pulled up this video and was showing it to me. And I was just blown away. Um, she had kind of made a name for herself. Uh, she put out a, um, a video on YouTube of her doing one of her songs, you know, and, and it went viral and had millions of, of views and all that good stuff. But she is a, you would call her a multi-instrumentalist, I guess. But, um, and you'll see, and, and you have to watch the video to really appreciate how amazing she is. Um, so we'll put that in the show notes. But so this, my, my clip here is, is, is from that, that Tiny Desk concert. Um, and so what you need to understand when you hear it is it's literally, it, it's just her. She is, um, she's playing a guitar. She's a really great guitar player. And she is looping over herself and she's got, um, she's got, you know, the, the, the drum pads and stuff. So she's making every, every sound that you're hearing, obviously, but it's all done through loops and whatnot. So you'll, you'll hear her, you'll hear kind of like a tap and that's just her, um, stepping on, on and off her guitar pedals, you know, the, the, the loop pedals and stuff. So anyway, uh, this is kind of a lengthy clip because I wanted to play long enough to where you, where she starts to sing because she's also a fantastic singer as well. But um, that's all you need to know. And I think it's also worth noting that she is only 22 years old. And this clip, she would have been 21. So she is wow. phenomenal. Uh, and I think she's coming to, to, to Dallas. She's on tour right now. Uh, I might have to go check her out because, um, I, yeah, I can't imagine how amazing her shows must be. So anyway, uh, this song is called Jungle, and this is a performance on NPR's Tiny Desk Concert.
Man, you really just left us wanting more, dude. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, I could have kept playing more of it, but it would have been like a five-minute, six-minute clip. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like I said, go check out the her performance on, on Tiny Desk. Yeah, but, I was going to uh, – I kind of wanted to – just in case there's anyone out there that doesn't know about Tiny Desk Concert. Tiny Desk Concert is put together by NPR, and it's – and if you watch a band play on Tiny Desk concert, it's always a broken down version of of the band. Um, minimal instruments, basically, like the least amount of instruments that they can bring to still have a effective version of their song. It's always going to be slightly different than what you hear on on their albums for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah, which is the whole point of it. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I wonder that too. If if it's really just her, or if if she tours with other musicians, that's really cool. Uh, she probably she probably does. But yeah, so here's here's one more um, little fact about her that's I think important. I'm pulling this from the Wikipedia page, but she um, apparently she was she was a she was addicted to drugs when she was a teenager, and she developed a drug induced psychosis when she was 17. And had to undergo several months of therapy to recover. And what she did after this was, now she's from Australia. She uh, began uh, busking on the streets of Melbourne. And apparently okay. busking is essentially, you know. Yeah, I know what busking is. Performing on the street uh, for tips. Basically. Yeah, there's buskers all over the place <laughs> Yeah, in Seattle. Especially Pike Place. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's her backstory. I mean, that's. It's an incredible backstory if you think about it. You know, former drug addict, playing on the streets, uh, making a YouTube video, and then playing NPR uh, a year later. You know what I mean? I think that's the best thing that's come out of YouTube is yeah musicians being able to share their music with the masses with nothing more than, a fuck, you know, whatever they can afford to record it. Yeah, I mean, think about how many, not just musicians but like comedians and yeah you know just personalities that have come out of youtube yeah uh, good or bad you know what i mean yeah but um but yeah so that's that's that um cool on the playlist that we put out for february i'll have the i'll have the recording of that song from the album itself how different is it from but that we'll, performance it's pretty similar it's, yeah it's pretty similar and then we'll and we'll put the um i'll put a link to the npr video on the show notes page for this episode okay so let's get into the heart of the matter crosby stills and nash let me ask you this real quick travis do you uh always think of that don henley song anytime you say that phrase? yes i immediately yeah, i immediately thought of that just right in your head you go it's the heart of the matter <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty pretty Man. much maybe we do you know what we should do we should we should make like a soundboard with a bunch of phrases from different songs <laughs> that we can just play. That's a good you know idea. Mean? I've always, <laughs> dude, really I've always funny, wanted actually. that just in, in real life. You know <laughs> what I mean? That anytime somebody says something that's that's made famous in a song, I would just play That way I don't have to sit there and sing it. Dude, you know? are we going to have to do a Don Hanley episode now? Is that going to happen? 
Because that's such a good song. I mean, personally, I, that that would never have, have made my list of albums to to cover. But you We're going to run dude. out of albums soon enough, man. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. All right. So, so like I said, and like the interview clip that I played in the intro that introed into this episode, Graham Nash was talking about how these guys came from the three different bands. What I wanted to do is play a clip from each of those bands, a song from each of those bands that featured one of the three guys um, on lead vocals. So it's important to note that uh, really Steven Stills of the three was, was the only, um, the only one that was really the lead vocalist, primarily the lead vocalist on the band that they came from. So Graham Nash and David Crosby sing, they certainly sang backup and harmony vocals on the two bands that they came from, but they often did not sing lead. The songs that I'm playing features them as the lead vocalist. Okay, so cool. So what I wanted to do is, yeah, is play these three songs so that you can hear what these guys sound like independently and then we'll play the first clip from Crosby Stills and Nash so that you can hear kind of what what happens when these three voices come together so uh, the first one we're going to play is from the Hollies so this is Graham Nash and uh, this song is called To You My Love Uh, it's often a 1964 album called In the Hollies Style and uh, you're going to hear the Beatles immediately, but that's just how every, everybody sounded back then. Basically, the Beatles had come and exploded, and every band in Britain wanted to uh, essentially take what the Beatles had, had done and, and make it their own and find the same amount of success. So let's, let's hear it. Um, again, this is called To You, My Love, and it's got Graham Nash singing lead vocals. <laughs> Since you took my heart, I can give you everything, so I give my everything to you, my love. As we're far apart, I will send my all to you, and I'll send my whole life to, to you. Okay, so that was Graham Nash singing um, for the Hollies. And that was 1964. Um, so let's play. Let's play. Uh, so the, so the next one. This is the Birds, and this is a song that David Crosby wrote and sang on. Um, he often didn't write. Well, I take that back. He he would he would uh, contribute lyrics to here and there. But there's only a handful of songs that he actually wrote for the birds. And this is one of them. And he is singing on the song as well. It's very dark compared to uh, other songs that you may know from the birds. This this came out in 1967. Uh, it's on an album called Younger Than Yesterday. And the song is called Everybody's Been Burned. Mm-hmm. 
David Crosby. Um, so yeah, if you're familiar with the birds, David Crosby sings harmony on almost you know all all of the bird songs up until when he let when he leaves, obviously. But um, he had a lot of contributions to uh, the Fifth Dimension, which is the album that featured um, Eight Miles High and um, uh, some of those other more kind of when they became a little bit more psychedelic, you know. Yeah. Okay, so. Let's play uh, the last clip here. This is from Buffalo Springfield. Uh, so this would be Stephen Stills on the vocals. And this song is called Pretty Girl Why. And it came out in 1968 on the album Last Time Around. Like the ghost of someone dear, she comes to haunt me. Still unable to sincerely give her heart away for keeps Pretty girl, why? Pretty girl, why not love me? Dude, that's like straight up the song that like the the Playboy of the of the seventies puts on, you know, in like in like a silk robe as he approaches <laughs> a girl with like two martinis in hand. Yeah, you can almost see the the Playboy bunnies kind of hopping around to to that song in the background. I liked it though. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So okay, so. The point being, these guys are all great, great vocalists on their own, yeah. right? And they're all great songwriters on their own, because these are all songs that they wrote as yeah. well. So, so here's a little... Here's how those three dudes um, become Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So basically, here's my understanding of, of how it went down. So basically, there is this music festival that happens... Uh, in 1967 called the Monterey Pop Festival. So Neil Young was in Buffalo Springfield with Stephen Stills. And the two of them kind of butt heads on a few things and kind of wanted to go separate, to take the band or to take their music in separate directions. And there's actually a quote from Stephen Stills that, that's kind of funny. He says, I wanted to be in the Beatles. Neil wanted to be Bob Dylan as far as hmm. what they wanted to do with their music. Yeah. So Neil Young leaves Buffalo Springfield and Stephen Stills knew David Crosby. Um, they all kind of came from this, this neighborhood in Los Angeles called Laurel Canyon. Uh, it's kind of this, it's got this, um, this history of um, sort of being this, um, this area where a lot of counterculture and, and music was, was happening in the sixties and seventies. So there's a lot of bands that came out of that area. Um, Frank Zappa came out of there. Jim Morrison and the Doors came from there. The Birds, Buffalo Springfield, they started and formed in Laurel Canyon. Yeah, so that's similar to um, Greenwich, Greenwich Village. Village in New York. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So 
So anyway, they already knew each other. So Stephen Stills asks David Crosby, hey, we're already booked for this festival and it's happening soon. Can you step in and sing and, and take over uh, Neil Young's spot on Buffalo Springfield? And he says, sure. So the birds were also performing the same festival. Wow. David Crosby performs with Buffalo Springfield and his bandmates, uh, specifically the um, kind of the lead singer, the lead dude, uh, weren't too happy about that. So that was kind of a tension spot. One, one of the uh, tension spots between him and the other members of the birds, which kind of reminded me of, we talked, I don't know if we talked about this or not when we did the Foo Fighters episode, but David Grohl, Dave Grohl. <laughs> David Grohl. I've never heard his name <laughs> like that. And that could be his proper name, but yeah. name, whatever. <laughs> Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins, they got into sort of a heated argument over Dave going, stepping out and drumming for Queen of the Stones. Yeah, no, we didn't get into that. But yeah, that dude, the yeah. Foo Fighters almost split up over that. It was, they were yeah. very close so, to splitting up. So anyway, that's kind of reminded me of that. And, and so that's one of the reasons. Number two... David Crosby has always been a very politically minded, uh, the way he approaches his music. And during this particular performance at the Monterey Music Festival, in between their songs, when he's playing with the birds, he would go kind of on this rant about the Kennedy assassination, specifically diving into conspiracy theories about the Kennedy assassination. And his other bandmates were like, you know, they're not down with that. They don't want they don't want that to uh, to come out in their performances. You know what I mean? Especially right, like during right. songs. Like let's just let's just play that. So that ultimately leads to to Crosby leaving the Birds, and at this point, Buffalo Springfield had already split up. Stephen Stills and David Crosby are hanging out, uh, kind of writing songs together. And in the meantime, Graham Nash is performing with the Hollies over in Britain. They come over to the U.S. to do some shows. And so Crosby and Stills go and watch the Hollies perform. They see Graham Nash singing. And in comes Cass Elliott, uh, Mama Cass of the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, she's been friends with, with Stephen Stills and, and, and David Crosby. She kind of suggests, hey, do, you know, do you guys need a harmony singer? Sort of like planting the seed, I guess, for like, maybe you guys should bring Graham Nash into this. She then sort of introduces Graham Nash to David Crosby. Uh, the story is uh, she brings him over to Crosby's house and they get high together, basically. <laughs> and Graham Nash is like all about uh, about the American culture, basically. Uh, so he basically... Graham Nash comes to America, comes to L.A., and pretty much never wants to leave. So What a story, man. Well, he was also having some friction with his bandmates in the Hollies. Like He, he didn't feel like he was, he was getting his needs met creatively. And remember I talked about Bob Dylan covers? Yeah. So the Hollies wanted to, to, to release a, a Dylan cover album. Oh, where no they essentially, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah, they, dude, and this is how they – and it actually happened, too. So, so they in, in 1969 they released a, the Hollies sing Dylan record, and it's basically them, doing like a big band Vegas fucking like swing, version of Ugh. Bob Dylan songs. Gross, and, dude. And, Are you and Graham Nash, me? 
Yeah, that should be illegal. <laughs> yeah, Graham Nash wanted no part of it, so he had already left. But so so anyway, they've all split from their bands. Crosby and Stills are hanging out, and here's a, now this is kind of famous for not being nobody really knows how it really went down. But the first time that the three of these guys sing together, actually, you know what? Before we do that, let's play the first clip. I kind of wanted to do that before I got into this whole history, but I got kind of excited. <laughs> so we heard the three clips from the three guys singing independently of each other. Let's play uh, Winnevere, which is, I think it's track three. I don't know if anybody really gives a shit about track, track numbers, dude. You're right, dude. You're right. But either way, so let's play this song um, just to kind of, so, so we can kind of hear what these guys are, are capable of, and then we'll continue on the uh, the history a little bit. Gwyneth 
So, uh, so that's what happens when the three of them harmonize. Um, as Graham Nash said in that interview clip that I played in the very beginning, when the when their vocals blend, um, you know, it's it's a very unique sound. Probably probably one of the the best um, vocal harmonies probably uh, in 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 music history. You know what I mean? Wait, wait, who else you got? You got Simon and Garfunkel. You got Simon and Garfunkel. You got, got Lennon and McCartney. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys are up there. I've got an interview clip. Dan Rather did an interview in 2012, I believe, with with the three of these guys. Uh, he interviewed them three separately and then together. So I have a clip from the Rather interview uh, with David Crosby sort of talking about the same thing, where what makes the three of them so unique when their vocals come together. So let's play that clip. In music, as in almost every other field, it's very difficult to sustain a career anywhere near as long as you and the others have been able to sustain your careers. I, I can tell you why I think that is. Whether it's Crosby, Stills, and Nash with three writers or Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young with four writers, we had a wide palette, much wider palette to paint from than most bands would have. And all four of us can sing lead, all four of us can sing harmony, all four of us can play. And I think the songs are the, really the, the, the defining uh, uh, meat of the matter. Without songs that are about something and that make you feel something, if I can't sit down and sing you a song and make you feel something, I don't think I really have a song. And uh, I, I think that's been our strength. We've lasted 40 years. There has to be something, and it's certainly not our looks. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't see that coming uh, out <laughs> Yeah. I mean, David Crosby, the older he got, uh, he's a, let's just say he, he uh, Oh, dude, that reminds me. He's actually he actually has a cameo on on Hook. He's one oh, of the pirates. I know exactly which shit. one he is, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. One of, he's one of the pirates. Yeah, he's got some prominent oh, screen time. Oh my god. Yeah. So anyway. Wow. So he has a very uh, unique look. You could say it's he looks the mustache, like a dude. It's the mustache. Yeah, it's the mustache. Uh, so anyway, uh, I like what he said about if I sit down and play you a song and you and you don't feel something. I don't have a song, right? That should be so, what every songwriter, you know, strives for when they sit down and write a song, right? But when you when you hear coming from him that that's that's their goal when they write songs, uh, and then you listen to the music, I don't know about you, but I certainly feel something when I listen to a Crosby, Stills and Nash song. You know what I mean? I think there's something about the human voice when it harmonizes with with other voices. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, there's something moving about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's kind of go back into, I wanted to, the reason I spaced out the history here is because the next song that I'm going to play is called You Don't Have to Cry. And this is the first song that the three of them um, sang together as far as like, so David Crosby. Okay, so the, the story is uh, the three of them are, are in a house somewhere. The particular house is up for debate apparently the three of them can't agree on whether or not they were in Joni Mitchell's house or Mama Cass's house but either way they're in one of their two houses and um, Stills and Crosby are singing uh, you don't have to cry and Nash is, is there with them and he is 
sort of improvising the third harmony part to that song. And the story goes that within about 40 seconds, he had come up with that that harmony and the three of them had, had figured out like this is this is what we're going to be doing for the next few decades, you know, because they, they knew immediately that like that, that, that their vocals had gelled so perfectly together that uh, that they were going to be making music from then on. So without further ado, here is the song that they that they first sang together. And uh, from this song came Crosby, Stills and Nash. In the morning, when you rise, do you think of me and how you left me crying? Are you thinking of telephones and managers and where you got? So one of the reasons I wanted to, to play this particular song, I like the lyrics. So, you know, this is the 60s, right? And they are talking about, so I'm going to read some of the lyrics here. Are you thinking of telephones and managers and where you got to be at noon? You are living a reality I left years ago. It nearly killed me. Whoa. I like that. In the long run, it will make you cry, make you crazy and old before your time. Wow. So, yeah. Uh they're talking about, you know, the daily grind, the daily grind. Yeah, dude. And everybody who, who, uh, who works for a living has had that thought cross their mind. Like, like what am I, you know, like this is gonna, it's gonna make me old before my time here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the hippie movement was kind of all about that, right? Like counterculture re rethinking, you know, the, the assumed course that you're supposed to take in life. You know what I mean? That's what the free love movement and, and all that was all about. So these guys were, were knee deep in that movement, and and uh, I'd say they were probably more waist deep, but that's just me. Oh, uh, you know what? You're right, Q. They were waist deep in the movement, <laughs> especially Crosby and, and and Nash. Let's go into the final pick, and this is probably my favorite track on the album. This song is this song is killer. So it's gonna it's got an interesting history, kind of like what I was saying, where artists were kind of collaborating a lot. It seemed like back then, so. David Crosby and Stephen Stills actually wrote this song with Paul Cantor, who was a founding member of Jefferson Airplane. Both bands actually have this song released on a record. So both Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Jefferson Airplane uh, did a version of the song 
They both came out in 1969, but because of some weird thing with Paul Cantor and his his record label or something or his his manager, he couldn't get credit on the Crosby, Stills and Nash album for co-writing the song. I don't know if that's important or not, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and by the way, the Jefferson Airplane version of the song, it's really interesting to hear the same song performed by two very, very uh, successful groups from the same, like in the same year and how different the interpretation of the song is so different between the two, you know what I mean? And in my opinion, the Crosby, Stills and Nash version is, is far superior, but that's just me. Maybe we'll put the other one in the show notes just so you can hear it. But anyway, basically this song is about the Vietnam War, which a lot of groups from the 60s were were writing about Vietnam. Yeah, we had our, our sidetrack on Creedence Clearwater Revival, dude. That's 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 what the album Willie and the Poor Boys was all about. The the Buffalo Springsfield song, the one that... <laughs> you almost did it again. <laughs> I almost said Springsteen. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so the song that Stephen Stills wrote for Buffalo Springfield, uh, for what it's worth, the one that everybody knows, uh, that was also about Vietnam. So... Uh, wooden ships in particular is about, uh, basically it's like, let's, let's assume a nuclear Holocaust has gone down. We are basically getting on these ships and, and I'll read some of the, some of the lyrics here. Um, let's play clip one first. How about that? Yeah, let's, let's, yeah, we got two clips. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's just play it. Very free and easy. 
Okay, so compared to the other two songs we played, um, you're hearing an electric guitar, number one, in this song. You're hearing organ as well, which I really like. hearing an organ. Yeah, true. You're hearing an organ. Yeah, so something worth mentioning. Aside from um, Crosby and Nash's, their, their own guitar parts that they contributed, every other instrument except for drums on this record is Stephen Stills in the studio. Sort wow. of like Dave Grohl's first album, right? That is Stephen Stills on the organ, the the guitar, and the bass. Uh, so, I think these people should just maybe share a little bit of their talent with the rest of us. Yeah. Well, like, dude. On. Yeah. Just like that. My what you heard, um, Tosh Sultana can play like ten instruments. Anyway, so uh, this is the first. This is the opening lyric, and I just I love that the way that it's sung, and I, I love the the lyric. It, it says, "If you smile at me, I will understand." Because that is something everyone does in the same language. So, you know, I like that sentiment. Yeah, that's that's cool. And then the next, so Stephen Stills and David Crosby are kind of switching back and forth with the singing here. Um, the next lyric says, I can see by your coat, my friend, you're from the other side. There's just one thing I've got to know. Can you tell me, please, who won? So, like, who won this war? Nobody did. Hmm. Basically, this is after... So, this is an imagining of, like, a nuclear holocaust just happened. These are the survivors, yeah. Really cool. Yeah, and they're, and they're, they're kind of going through um, the ravaged land. Both sides are still kind of existing together now after the, the, the fallout, you know what I mean? Ultimately, they get on these ships and, and head out. Um, so, yeah, so play the next clip. And then the reason I wanted to kind of do two clips here... The, uh, the next clip is really going to highlight Stephen Stills as a guitar player. Uh, there's a really kind of jazzy, bluesy guitar solo that happens. And uh, so anyway, let's, let's hear the next clip. got some really great tone on his guitar yeah for guitar. sure yeah so you know an incredible song right um the lyrics that you hear in the second clip are pretty friggin' dark i'm gonna read them to you uh horror grips us as we watch you die 
that sounds like a like a heavy metal song. Uh, all we can do is echo your anguished cries, stare as all human feelings die. We are leaving. You don't need us. So earlier in the song, there, there's a song. There's a lyric about silver people on the shoreline. Let us be. So they're in their ship. They're they're leaving uh, land. The silver people on the shoreline, uh, according to David Crosby, who wrote this, who wrote the lyrics, are uh, the military personnel in radiation suits. Gotcha. So they're in radiation suits. Silver people on the shoreline. Wow. Basically, just like, hey, just let us be, man. We're gonna go. We're gonna find our own thing. You don't need us anymore. Like we're done with this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this was great, Trav. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Again, credit credit goes to my father-in-law, dude. He kind of turned me on to this album. That's cool. Did so? Did he have a? Does he have a record player? Did he bust out the the actual record? They do not have a record player, Q. But they do. I, I think they do have a vinyl collection. I haven't looked at it yet because it's not it's not out on Front Street. Front Street. I mean, they, it's in a closet somewhere, probably, or in the <laughs> attic, or something like that. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that now. Thanks, Trev. <laughs> you never not out on Front, Front Street. Street. You like that? <laughs> I've never heard that phrase. Uh, well, you know what? You're welcome. So anyway, that was that was a look at, at Crosby, Stills, Nash. I, I I think we covered it pretty pretty well. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of music on this episode. Uh, you got to go back and listen to more of it. Um, what, you know, kind of like what we've, we've I think we've talked about this on on this podcast before about how what's great about music is there's always digging to be done. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's always a rabbit hole to fall down. Yes. Now that I, like I didn't even realize that David Crosby was part of the birds. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to go and, and listen to some more of, of Buffalo Springfield for sure. All I ever knew was their mega single that everybody knows their mega hit. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably going to dig into the Hollies a little bit. There's a song by the Hollies. And now that I've mentioned it, we'll put it on the track list, but, it's called Bus Stop. And I've heard that song a bajillion times, but I guess I just never knew the band that sang it. But it was the Hollies, dude. It's a great song. Um, anyway. So now I've got three other bands to kind of check out. Buffalo Springfield, the Hollies, the Birds. Even though I'm, I'm kind of a... Of those three, the Birds are, are kind of the, the band that I've, I'm mostly aware of. You know what I mean? Same. It's a lot of great Birds tracks. Same. Especially out of the fifth dimension. That was a that was a that's a cool album. So anyway, uh for the outro song today, and dude, somehow we managed to get to the end of the episode every time without mentioning our website or where you can hear us. So let me do that real quick. We suck at this. <laughs> we're we're the worst <laughs> uh promoters. We need to hire um we need to hire somebody. And by hire I mean, hey, can you help us out for free? <laughs> somebody to do our social stuff but um nofillerpodcast.com um really you can go there to to listen to read the show notes to find out all about us yeah we've got links to all of all of the social things right on our website we've got our we'll have the soundcloud player for every episode on there the side notes the sources uh, you know videos to watch from concert performances and everything that we referenced will have uh you know ways for you to dig a little bit deeper on our website right and if you want to listen to us on your favorite podcast player 
Uh, we are on iTunes. Uh, we are on SoundCloud. Uh, what's the one that you listen to, Q? Podcast Republic. Podcast they all pull Republic. From, from iTunes. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Stitcher, I think, is one of the other ones. Yeah, most likely um, you can find us on whatever your favorite podcast. The funny thing is, if you're listening to us right now, then you're already listening to us on one of those podcast players. Not true, brother. We're on SoundCloud. That's true. All right. So anyway, that's that. The outro song today is actually um, Graham Nash. So he had uh, a solo career, put out a few solo albums. Uh, This song is off of his, I think it's his second album. Uh, It's called Wild... Fuck, what's it called? Hold on. Wild Stallion. (laughs) That's not what it is. So this song is called Wild Tales. It's off of the album Wild Tales, which came out in 1974. And this song has uh, got a little bit more rock and roll to it compared to the stuff he was doing with with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So anyway, that'll do it for this episode. Um, Next week, we are going to cover The Kings of Convenience, which will be a really good kind of companion to this episode, I think, as far as like, this is a modern-day folk duo. Uh, They're kind of more along the the vein of... um, of uh, Simon, Simon and Garfunkel. Garfunkel, yeah, Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. but they, but they certainly, you can certainly hear um, the similarities between them and, and Crosby, Stills and Nash. So that'll be a good, and that's one of, that's one of our favorite groups as far as like, I think we both share a love for, uh, for Kings of for Kings of Convenience that, um, that goes back quite a bit, and um, I don't yeah. think a lot of people are, are, are familiar with them. So, yeah, I don't think so. Let's do. Um... Let's do Quiet is the New Loud. Okay. Their debut album. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. All right, man. That'll do it. Cool. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, check back midweek for our sidetrack. Not quite sure what we're going to do yet, but we'll figure it out. And stay tuned. Um, And again, check us out on nofillerpodcast.com. There you can find all the information, um, all the stuff you need to know about us. Talk at you later. Talk at you some other time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.